planning for the next Paralympics. I'm Ed Hula with this latest edition of Around the Rings Radio. The International Paralympics Committee has just ended four days of meetings of its governing board in London. They are taking steps to get ready for the next wave of Paralympic Games. Tokyo, Beijing, and Paris on the horizon. The IPC stripped Malaysia of this year's Swimming World Championships over the country's refusal to allow Israeli athletes to compete. Tokyo 2020, under pressure to find a way to increase the number of accessible hotel rooms. And for Paris 2024, the IPC chose not to expand the program for those games. We're going to talk about all of this and more with Andrew Parsons, president of the International Paralympic Committee since 2017, active for many years before that in Paralympics in his native Brazil. Since last October, Parsons has been a member of the IOC, holding a seat now customary for the IPC president. He joins us on the phone from London after the meetings of the IPC governing board. Thanks very much for joining us today, Andrew Parsons. It's a pleasure, Ed. It's a pleasure. After all these days here in London, very good to talk to you. What is the highlight of the meetings that you've had in, in, in London over the past four days? Well, we have a few uh, big topics in our agenda. I think probably the most, uh, in terms of the repercussion, probably the biggest one was the decision on on our Paris Swimming World Championships. Uh, but we also discussed the situation of Russian Paralympic Committee. We took decisions on the sports program for Paris 2024, the event program from Beijing 2022, and also uh discussions around our strategic plan for 2019-2022. The the decision that you had to make regarding the uh, Paralympic uh, Swimming Championships in Malaysia, um, I think it's the first one that I'm aware of that the uh, IPC is getting to get involved with, involving uh, uh, the, the recognition of athletes and their ability to travel freely into a country for competition. Um, we, 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 we've, we've kind of known this has been coming for Malaysia. Um, why weren't, why wasn't Malaysia able to come around on this? Did you have negotiations with them to, to try to keep, keep the event there? Yeah, we had some, uh, in September of 2017, when we signed the contract, we had some, we had assurances that, you know, we will not face situations like that, that all the eligible athletes, uh, and countries will be will be allowed to participate, but uh, since then there was some changes in the Malaysian government, and they took a different approach. So, uh, from the from the public statements of the leaders of that country, it became clear that they will not allow athletes from Israel to participate. So we had to to take a decision. Our approach was to forget the names of the countries and just focus on the situation, which it was to us was a country A, not allowing athletes from a country B, uh, eligible athletes from country B to, to, to compete at one of our major world championships. So, you know, in a, it's, our movement is about, is about inclusion, it's not about exclusion. So uh, after the debate, you know, the, the board approved to strip the world championships and the swimming world championships from Malaysia. Uh, but this is what our approach, and in any circumstance like that, like this one in the future, we will take the same the same approach. And it doesn't matter the country, it doesn't matter 
and the politics and the thing is to take politics outside of sport. So that's what that was our approach. Uh, we know it's not uh, it's not an easy decision. It might affect some athletes. We are looking for new hosts for the World Championship, but we think that it it was a, a strong message that we we need to send to to the well basically to. Uh, to the world and the world of sport and the world of politics as well. And it is unusual. Uh, has the IPC encountered this kind of uh, conflict before? Not that I recall. Uh, since I've been involved with the IPC, it was the first one uh, that I can remember. So it's something new for us. It's something that, it, of course, is not positive. But, you know, we we normally take our decisions. Well, not normally. We always take our decisions based on what's best for the Paralympic movement, and we believe that a situation like that, having this approach of a country A and country B, is, I think, you know, uh, was the right one, because it's not up to the IPC to decide on, uh, who is right or wrong in the, in, the, in the political arena, but in the sport world, we cannot allow the athletes to pick and choose, the countries, I'm sorry, the host countries, to pick and choose whoever they want, or whoever they will allow to participate in our world championships and our sanctioned events. Now, how do you find a uh, another host city for this event? We are negotiating with a few options here, in, in, of course, from different parts of the world. So as soon as we have a confirmed host, we will announce it um, as soon as possible. And with the dates, uh, of course, we are targeting the same dates, but due to the, to the circumstances, we may have to compromise a little bit. But, you know, we are negotiating with a few options now. And when do you expect to have a, a decision made on this? It's difficult to predict that, but we believe in two or three weeks we'll be able to announce something. You are looking ahead towards the next Paralympic Games. Uh, Tokyo is next uh, for the for the for the Paralympics. Um, what is the situation right now with uh, with plans for Tokyo twenty twenty? Uh, I guess first in terms of uh, accommodations, um, I've been hearing that that's uh, still an ongoing issue, and you're working with organizers there to uh, improve the the number of of hotel rooms that are accessible. Yes, uh, we have we have this issue to to face. We are working with the organizing committee, but also with the, uh, with different levels of government, the national government. And also some cities because uh, accommodation, accessible accommodation, is an issue in Japan because of the of the regulations, the law, the legislation around that in terms of new number of accessible rooms per hotel. We have uh, national Paralympic committees that will go to different cities in Japan before the games for their pre-game training camps, and this is an issue that is not only affect, uh, I would say, the games in Tokyo, but also these pre-game training camps. Um, we are working on operational issues and how we can uh, how to- can Tokyo 2020 work with the, with the hotels mainly in in Tokyo to to address that finding operational options. But also a good a good piece of news is that we we are working with the national government to change the legislation. Of course, this will not affect the games. This will be I would say a, a, a legacy of the game for after 2020 uh, in terms of the number of, ne- of of accessible rooms in hotels throughout Japan. Uh, but yes, it's a deal that we're still, still uh, dealing with and with the organizing committee. Is, is, it, is, it, um, is it a serious deficit? Is it a real impediment to being able to um, 
for, for people to come come to Japan for the Paralympics, whether to compete or support uh, their team, or is it just something nice? It's not just something nice to have in Japan. You say it's a, a serious issue that has to be addressed. No, for us, of course, it's, uh, it's not, it doesn't affect the athletes, of course, because they will stay in the village, but it affects, uh, you know, uh, National Paralympic Committees, partners, broadcasters, and uh, spectators. So, of course, in a way, it affects the experience for, for some of these these groups. But it, the, the issue that we have is that the regulation right now in Japan, the legislation right now in Japan says that if you have more than 50 rooms in a hotel, you have to have one accessible room. So it doesn't matter if you have 50 or if you have 500, it's just one accessible room that it's required. Also, the standard what is considered an accessible room in Japan is a little bit uh, different from what you find, for example, in, in, in some European countries or even in the U.S. So it's, it's about also in this new legislation to try to better define what the standard. But, if, but again, this will not be something that will work for the games. Uh, so we are trying to address this issue. I'm not saying that it's a, it's a major issue that will affect the delivery of the games, but of course it can affect the experience of some of our clients. And how will Tokyo 2020 broaden the reach of uh, Paralympic movement? Uh, how important do you think it will be for Japanese people to see high-performing athletes uh, in, the, in the Paralympics? Well, we have high expectations on Tokyo 2020. I've been fortunate, fortunate to follow the project since the bid phase, as I was in the, in the IOC Evaluation Commission in 2013. So I've seen the evolution of the, of the preparation and the excitement, uh, not only of the organizing committee of the Paralympic movement in Japan, but also of uh, an excitement from the broadcasters, the private sector, uh, the different levels of government. So uh, the organizing committee and all of these other groups that I mentioned, they are placing uh, the Paralympics in the same level as the Olympics when it comes to promotion, when it comes to uh, communication. So I see a lot of excitement also in the Japanese, uh, I would say, society. So I can predict that we will have an incredible atmosphere, that the venues will be full. So for us, it will be, let's say, a, a step further for our movement. We have uh, strong Japanese partners, such as Toyota, Bridgestone, Panasonic, and so So I think it's, it, it will be good also for... I would say to excite the business community of of, of Japan to get closer to the Paralympic movement, not only closer to the IPC, but I would say you know different sports, different federations, and of course strengthen the Paralympic movement in Japan. Uh, it's it's a very strong uh, movement in Japan, but of course there is always room for improvement, and what we expect to happen in the Paralympic movement in the whole city, country, in the uh, in the whole uh, nation is that. After the years, you progress, you have some legacy, and that it's, uh, the movement may get stronger and stronger after the games. And we're talking with Andrew Parsons, president of the International Paralympic Committee, on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. Uh, he is speaking with us from London, where the IPC governing board has just concluded several days of meetings. Uh, you considered the uh, Beijing uh, Winter Paralympics program any big changes there for 2022? Uh, we we just approved the event uh, program uh, this weekend, so we will have for the first time the same number of events for male and female athletes. So this is in align with our not only our guiding principles for the Paralympic Games and Paralympic Winter Games, but also we have 
a few years ago approved in our, in our General Assembly that we will place uh, priority into the athletes with high support needs and female athletes. So for us, this is very exciting news. Uh, we want Beijing 2022 to be for the Winter Games what Beijing 2008 represented for the Summer Games. So we want to take it to a new level. We are working with uh, very closely with the organizing committee. Uh, right now, we have a team in, in, in Beijing for uh, project review. So it's, it's moving forward. We are very uh, confident. I think they have the experience. They have a very strong Paralympic movement in, in, sorry, in China. Uh, in the summer, they are by far the strongest nation. Last time in Pyeongchang, they, they won for the first time a gold medal. They are investing in developing athletes. So I think we will have a, a very good crowds. But we also want to be uh, to have more athletes, and we want to have more spectators, and we want to have uh, more countries involved in the Paralympic Winter Games. And it's what we've seen so far with the changes that we are making in events and with the work we're doing with the organizing committee. You mentioned uh, the working group that's in um, in Beijing right now, uh, looking at plans mm-hmm. for the uh, for the Winter Olympics and uh, Winter Paralympics. Uh, they'll move on to Tokyo. Uh, the, the the working group IOC working group for, for for those games. How is the relation relationship going with the IPC and the IOC? You yourself are IOC member. Um, is it um, is it, it it really seems to have have, have grown and become uh, much more collaborative um, in in a generation that I've been covering the Paralympics and the Olympics. Yeah, I think it was uh, uh, after my election. It was one of my focus to to try to uh, strengthen the relationship between both organizations. You know, uh, we are partners for a long time, but I think it, this has to be uh, a very uh, not only uh, I would say it, it must be a very robust and solid relationship. So I focus a lot in my first six months uh, as president. To get that done, and and we signed the contract, uh, uh, we signed the agreement with the IOC during the Pyeongchang Paralympics. So it's a contract that go that goes until 2032. So it's a long-term uh, agreement uh, in many different areas. And I'll say that on a political level, we have a very good uh, relationship. Uh, personally, with President Bag, I have a very good uh, relationship. It's uh, ongoing dialogue in many different issues. We uh, have met a few times uh, since since I got elected, uh, but also when it comes to IOC administration and IPC uh, staff, we we have a better relationship than ever. I would say that we we are probably in our best moment when it comes to the relationship between the, the two organizations since we signed our first agreement in the year 2000. So it's very exciting, of course. Uh, we face uh, similar challenges sometimes. So uh, we, in our agreement, we uh, uh, the IPC agreed to follow the the, uh, the philosophy, I would say, of the Agenda 2020, the new norm, understanding the environment we are operating. So I think it's it's a very good partnership. We are very happy where we are with the IOC today. You have reviewed the program for the Paris. Uh, 2024 Paralympics and have decided to uh, maintain the uh, same sport uh, programs, same sport calendar as for Tokyo 2020. Um, Why not broaden the program for Paris? We, 
as per our contract with the IOC, we have a limit of 23 sports. But under the the philosophy of the new norm and, uh, and the agenda 2020, any change from the sport program of Tokyo and, and, and to Paris would have to be cost neutral. So also in terms of the 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 proposed sport program that Paris presented. So uh, we made all the possible, I'd say, we analyzed all the possible scenarios. So adding a 23rd sport, it, it, it necessarily meant that uh, we will have to add another venue. So that adding a new sport or a 23rd sport was not an option. So then, because we had uh, 23 sports that in this last phase of, of, of the selection process for Paris, we analyzed all the different scenarios, trying to include uh, the CP football, which is, was the only sport amongst the 23 sports that was not in the Tokyo program. But in order to include that sport, it would have necessary to affect other sports. Uh, other sports will have to be dropped out from the of the program, or they will affect balance of gender, because we are moving towards again two priorities, as I mentioned before: athletes with high support needs and and gender balance and it's a male sport only, CP football. So it, the only way would be to uh, have a uh, to delete some sports for athletes with high support needs, which is one of the guiding principles of the Paralympic Games Sport Program. So after a very, I'd say, uh, a deep analysis of all, of all the possible scenarios, we decided not to include CP football, and then we came out. We came up with the same uh, sport program for Paris as it, it is for Tokyo. And for sports like sailing, which has uh, fallen off of the uh, Paralympic program, uh, and other sports that might want to join, I guess you could say it's going to be very difficult for new sports to be added in the years ahead here. Uh, we, have a diff- we have a different approach, for example, because for the IOC, they have what they call the core program, and we don't have that. We approve the sport program as a whole, so that does not necessarily mean that other sports with other, uh, 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 let's say, features and characteristics will not be able to join the program. Of course, this might mean that some sports currently on the program may, may or we will have to delete them from the program, but we are open to the, those possibilities. In this case, uh, as it's a male sport only, it would affect even more the balance between male and female athletes, and to accommodate that, we will have to uh, affect sports for, for athletes with high support needs. But we have some other sports with different value propositions. We have sports uh, with different populations. So the door is still open for for the for LA 2028. Uh, sailing didn't make, I would say, the first cut. The last week I had a, a meeting here in London with the president of World Sailing together with the CEO of World Sailing uh, to discuss the lessons learned from this pro- process. So I'm confident that sailing, CP soccer, and all the other sports that didn't make the first cut, they will still be working hard for and try to, to be part of the LA 2028 program. And we will support them in that. And how are the sponsors supporting you? How is the uh, relationship between, the, uh, w- between Paralympic sport and uh, the, the, the top, top sponsors, the Olympic sponsors going? Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be a, a, a strengthening relationship. It is. It is a strengthening relationship. It comes from the new agreement that was signed uh, March uh, last of last year. So since this agreement, 
There was the the extension of the of the deal with Visa for both for the Olympics and the Paralympics, uh, also Bridgestone, and uh, and in a very, I'd say in a different way, Allianz, who was a partner of the IPC, it's now uh, it was announced uh, last year as a part, a new partner for for the IOC after 2020. So. Uh, it, it is a very uh, exciting moment that we are able to also not only uh, take benefit, but also uh, in a way try, yeah, I think with the, the, the experience with the Paralympic movement with the IPC helped Allianz to make the decision to strengthen the, the sport platform and I think in a way encourage them or their board to, to make the decision to be a sponsor, uh, part of the top pro- program for the IOC. And of course, being a, in part of the top uh, program of, for the IOC, we are included in that as per the new agreement. Uh, finally, to talk about regional Paralympic Games, this year we'll have the mm-hmm. Parapan Games in Lima, Peru, uh, which you, as uh, a, uh, a Brazilian, have been following very closely, just, uh, just because it's close at hand for you. But uh, there is the Parapan and Para-Asian Games um, is there any any room, any movement towards creating uh, expansion of a, a Paralympic sport on a regional basis like this? Yeah, we see the regional games as a very important uh, uh, step on, you know, on the pathway for the Paralympics. Uh, last year, we had the Asian uh, Para Games in Indonesia uh, in, the, in the same model as the Paralympic Games and the Parapanam, so back to back with the Asian Games. Uh, in the Asia, is something that became became uh, became very traditional now. And the same in the Americas with the Parapanam in Lima, for example. I, I've been following closely the preparations for the for the Parapanam. We have a very good relationship with with Panam Sports. We already signed uh, the contract for 2023. Uh, Santiago is already signed, so uh, we see that very important um, strategy, you know, to strengthen the regional programs. We are working with the African Paralympic Committee uh, to, to, uh, for the first time next year, organize the uh, African Para Games. That will be super important for the development of that continent. We still have to uh, uh, strengthen and support a lot the national Paralympic committees in that in that continent. Uh, Why the North? of the continent is very strong, and of course South Africa, some other nations at Angola, but we still have a lot to improve in that continent, and the regional games in Africa will be amazing. It's not confirmed yet, but we are working with them uh, to try to achieve that in the in the near future and be able to announce something in the first half of this year. You're a man in motion. From London, you're going to Kazakhstan, then on to Dubai, uh, all with uh, Paralympic uh, connections involved. Yes, well, I think one of the when I was running for the president position, I uh, my I would say the the main item on my manifesto was making IPC uh, an organization for all. So that means all our membership, whether national Paralympic committees, IFs, and so so that's why um, I travel a lot, trying to create these relationships uh, with our members, but also supporting them. You know, in Kazakhstan, in the next few days, I will be. Speaking with uh, uh, high-level politicians, there, addressing their congress, their parliament, so and try to support them in getting more resources. So this is the kind of thing I, I do when I visit the countries. Try to support, and of course, uh, different countries have different needs. 
They are in different levels of development. The objective is to get them, get to know them better, support them in their own territory, so that they could go to the next level. Of course, it's different. Every NPC is in a different level, so next level means different things in different parts of the world. But yeah, I think men in the most men on in emotion is a, a very good description of uh, <laughs> my life in these last few months. Well, safe travels to you, Andrew Parsons. Thank you very much, Andrew. It was a pleasure. We've been talking with Andrew Parsons. He's president of the International Paralympic Committee, as well as an IOC member in Brazil. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Around the Rings editor Ed Hula. For 25 years, your best source of news about the Olympics and the Paralympics is AroundTheRings.com.